Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm trying my best. I'm trying to be a better person in society. I don't want to be this piece of shit person that's going to. You go back to jail, you know, because this is not a good person. I want to no. live. I want to ha- live a happy life. I've made my mistakes. I've said my apologies. Um, you know, I'm just trying to um, be a better person. You know, I've gone yeah. through issues like everyone else in the world, especially with COVID. But but I know I'm, I'm I'm getting better. I know I'm on the right track. Sir, what if the writer is attempting to create a story where nothing much happens, where people don't change? More reflection of the real world. Nothing happens in the world. Are you out of your fucking mind? Welcome to A Theory of Mind, a podcast about brains, minds, and the lived-in experience of change. I'm your host, author and biographer Ben McKelvey, and this week we have a really special guest, or at least a guest that means quite a lot to me personally. Uh, It's former UFC pride and K1 great Mark Hunt. Now, Mark is someone that I've known for six years, and I'll preempt this uh, this podcast with a little short story about uh, one of our first meetings. Uh, in 2015, I'd been contracted to write a book with Mark, uh, my first, and the negotiations between Mark and the publisher had taken some time. So when we actually got down to the writing, there was only a few months left for me to do the interviews and turn the copy over to my publisher. I first met Mark uh, at a Western Sydney food court um, for one of our first interview sessions. And one of my first questions for Mark was about his parents, you know, who they were, where they were from, what they did, all that kind of stuff. Um, I knew a little bit about Mark already, but there wasn't any public information about his family, so I thought that'd be a great place to start. Anyway, after those questions, they, they really locked Mark up. Uh, he wasn't the most forthcoming person at that point in time, especially with strangers. Uh, and this was especially true when investigating a serious and hidden trauma that we, that we discovered later on. The silence from Mark continued over a few sessions and I started to wonder, A, whether I was going to get a book out of this guy and B, whether he was going to at some point punch me right out of the window of the Westfield food court. Um, Eventually, finally, Mark told me to find his estranged sister, Victoria, who I did and who thankfully was in a place in her life to talk to me about what happened to her and to Mark and their brother, Stephen John. I wrote the first chapter of the book that became Born to Fight, primarily with Victoria and with very little input from Mark. Um, And that that stuff that I wrote then is pretty much what's in the published version. After I read that chapter out to Mark, though, it was as though some sort of blockage had been removed. You know, there was just this sort of veil that had been lifted. The rest in the book is is all Mark. You know, he really opened up and he says those sessions working working on the book together um, sort of became his first therapy sessions. Mark talks a little bit about what he's doing in therapy in this conversation. And I've also added some readings from the book for context. Um, This isn't a heavy and depressing conversation, but there are mentions of child sexual abuse, assault and suicide. So please be duly warned about that. Also of note, this conversation was recorded before Mark's latest fight with Gallon, uh, which was a decision loss for Mark. Anyway, without further ado, Mark Hunt. I've grown as a person. Oh, grown as a man, I can you know I can feel a lot better with myself with things. 
But I'm actually um, finding myself a lot more happier. Yeah. Um, I've had a few issues that I'm just um, moving on with, and um, yeah. But, well, um, let, let's let's talk about that. We will we will get to that. But 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 first, I sort of wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, humility, right? So um, you know, I went up to Newcastle and hung out with you recently, and uh, you were training with an amateur boxer. Uh, and he was a young guy and he had a long range and he, he was landing on you a lot. I was and you hiding, yeah. But this is the thing, you know, you you are one of the world's great fighters yeah. um, and you've got this kid. He's in there my with, mind. His mum's there as well. Well, yes, yeah. you know, in your mind and also yes. in your results in yeah, a lot of, in a lot of yeah. ways as well. Um, and, you know, this young kid, his mum's sitting there and, you know, like he's, he's putting blood in your mouth. Yeah. Um, so how, how does it – how are you responding to humility? I mean, I can imagine previously it would have been like, you know, Oh, I want to get back and you know get this guy and hurt this guy, but that's that's not really where you're at anymore. No, it's it's about learning. It's about for me, um, you know, forty six life's life's given me a lot of ups and downs and and, and good blows and bads. I've uh, learned a lot about um, you know, I've, I've, especially now with forgiveness, but with fighting with Tristram and these other young kids, I'm just they're just they're he's been training since he was seven. Yeah, I'm inspiring another guy named Tommy. I think he was the Australian champ, also. Um, more with humility, learning about this new sport. It's not new, but to me, it's a new business. I mean, I've, I haven't even got a boxing win in my yeah. career. Yeah, it's like one loss and one one draw. But that was um, like Bondi Diggers, weren't you? Isn't yeah, your first you boxing know, fight. Yeah, Bondi straight from the bar to you know getting beat up by John Wyborn, the digger. So you know, um, but um, you know, and and here I am. Uh, I think twenty something years later, and. Uh, um, I've got some twenty-two-year-old kid teeing me up. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a real lesson to learn. It's like you know, it's a, but it's one of those pills. Uh, you know, I'm 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 getting way better with everything. Um, but 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 imagine um, when this was happening when I first met you, there would have been a lot of anger if if this guy was tooling you up. But now it's not. It, anger is not your driving motivator anymore. That's that's you you you've actually done a really incredible job of managing to get a lot of anger out of your uh, out of your psyche. Yeah, there's a lot of people to be thankful for that. I, my psychologist, to be honest, is one of yeah, them. Yeah, of course. Um, learning about myself, some people that I've met along the way that have, uh, you know, made me understand that you've got to, you know, forgive yourself, forgive people um, for doing these sort of things. And, you know, most of all, um, forgiving yourself for being, you know, you didn't have to be that treacherous person or that angry person going around because, you know, the world doesn't know you nothing, but you can actually be a better person like that. I, I'm, you know, like I said, I don't have to be, Mr. Angry doesn't come out looking for fights all the time. Though. Yeah. Mr. Angry is, is, is being pushed back. He's sitting on that log in the stomach with the rest of the emotions. You know, I'm not – I'm learning about not being a 13-year-old men, mental mental case and I'm yeah. 46 years old. You know, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real real experience for me um, with all this. Um, yeah, so it's been great. Well, well let's, let's talk a little bit about the, about the, the talk therapy that you've been doing. Um, you know, when I met you, you'd probably seen a psychologist once, I think. You, you'd been to, to um, maybe once or twice. You had talked about your wife, who's, who's now becoming your ex-wife, uh, a little bit about your experiences when you were a kid. But now you are actually doing this work. You are m- meeting a psychologist pretty regularly. Um, just yeah. it, whatever you're comfortable sharing. Um, can you talk a little bit about the experience and what you're doing? But, uh, yeah, I mean, a psychologist... Uh a therapist during the, the week and a psychologist. It's, it's about learning about myself and and um, trying to grow emotionally. Because mm. as a kid, I never had to uh, never dealt with emotions because it was always um, you had to try and put those emotions away because you're always getting hurt. Yeah. 
Um, and that's what um, my parents taught. My dad taught me was, you know, when he's when he's hitting you, and, and you have to get past that pain, that crying and pain, to try and. Um, I think it, to me, with, with with him dealing with just survival, to be honest. Yeah. And um, there's a point when you when you're getting whacked in the same places with weapons, whatever the, you know, sticks and whatever. That it becomes numb, then you just become numb with all. But I never had to, was ever to experience that sort of stuff like I'm um, feeling sad or this and that. It's just, uh, you know, I have to deal with it because I was, you know, so young. Mm. Um, but as a, as a 46 year old male, you know, the the therapist has helped me, you know, bring out those emotions. And pure anger is 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 really good for you. Pure anger, not anger where you can kill a person in a second. Um, and you know, so in that therapy, one of the therapy sessions, like I, I was able to kill my mum multiple times. You know, like in that room, it was safe to do it. You yeah. know, I'd, With I it, without anyone actually getting hurt. No one's getting hurt. It's yeah. just my myself putting the anger where it should be, yeah. and trying to get to that pure anger where where that pure ha- anger helps you grow as 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 a person. You know, when you, it's not that anger where you just goes. Oh, there's something happening. Mr. Anger comes out. It's the pure anger. It doesn't have any of those things. It just makes you, because I mean, you heal after that. Yeah. After after it's, pure it's anger, like it's a boil. Healed. You yes. know, the pressure goes. Yes. You, you pop the boil, yeah. and then. But for a long time, it it seemed to me that you know there was this sort of underlying anger, and the pain was perpetually there, but the release was never there. Yeah. You know. I might just read a couple of pages of born to fight here just for a little bit of context so you kind of have an understanding of 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 what mark's upbringing was like this is page eight in the first chapter of born to fight dad would beat us for any little thing and with any implement fists feet broom handles sticks electrical cords that hose that went from the washing machine to the tap that last one really sucked because it was heavy and it hurt like hell when dad got it really going no matter how hard you got beat with it that thing never broke With that hose, Dad could just whoop us until he got tired. And he had energy for that work, man. He loved that hose. He was big on psychological pain too, my old man. A beating he seemed to particularly enjoy was forcing us onto our knees on the floor in the sitting room, facing out the window at the pear tree where he'd go and spend time carefully selecting a whooping branch. We'd hope for a new young branch or an old one ready to break, but he'd usually end up with something hefty and durable. Another one of his favourites was calling us over and when we got there, throwing all of his weight into a thigh punch. He'd fall on the ground with a dead leg and then he'd have you. You couldn't run, you just had to lie there and he'd wait for him to do whatever he wanted to do to you. Was he going to get the hose? Was he going to get the broom? Were you going to get the boot? Are those his footsteps? He also used to like making us beat each other and if we ever cried, he'd jump in with his man fists and feet. All the beatings were worse if we cried. If we cried, the extra strikes were on us. At the end, the blame was usually equally shared. We shouldn't have been so weak. When I saw the movie Wolf Creek, that cruel bastard of a main character, Mick Taylor, reminded me of my dad. He would have made a good torture of the old fella. He really put his heart and soul into the sadism. I used to think that my older brother, Steve, got the worst of it. He was the oldest boy and the biggest and the one most likely to know better than to do whatever it was that us little kids shouldn't be doing. That's why he got his head smashed into the wall and into the door. Now I suspect it was just because Dad had had more time to resent him. I used to think Victoria got off relatively lightly. That didn't mean she didn't get beaten. She was in charge of us boys and trying to keep us clean and in line. And when she didn't manage it, which was pretty much always, she would get the crap beaten out of her too. But not as bad as us. We all thought Dad was soft on Victoria. He used to take her into a room with him. 
but inside we wouldn't hear the crashes and thumps of a beating, nor would there be blood or bruises when she came out. And she wasn't fair as far as we knew. We thought something odd was happening in that room, but we didn't know that something was heinous and sinful. We used to dare each other to go in. Thank fuck we never did. This is page 16 in the first chapter. There were too many stories, too much chatter. It was all too open now. Everyone had always known, but until then they'd known about it in whispers and in soft gossip. Quiet enough for it to be ignored after a muted chat. Now it was out on the streets. I wasn't relieved when Dad was taken to prison. I was too young to understand the whole situation. I knew he was going away and that there'd be even less food in the house. I also knew he was going away because of Victoria. And I'm sorry to say I was angry with her because of that. We all were, but we didn't know any better. Except Mum. She knew better. Or she should have anyway. But her concern at the time was keeping Victoria from telling the cops the whole story. They were the leanest of days when the old man was in prison, when we got to the point of delirium. I remember all of us in the front room shouting, hungry, at people while they walked down the street. When they saw us, we'd giggle like hyenas. I guess we were laughing about the contrast between the orderly, peaceful world outside and the tumult of crap that was going down in our house. The weirdest thing is that mum used to laugh along with us, screaming at the people on the street. That's some crazy shit. We didn't know what was happening to us. We didn't know that it was bad. We were kids. We'd only ever lived in a household where up was down and wrong was right. All we knew was that Dad was away and that there wasn't any food. Dad came back pretty quickly and Mum offered Victoria a new bicycle to shut up about the whole thing. I remember we all piled into the car to go and pick him up from the bus stop down at the shops. We all wanted to see the old man, except for Victoria, of course. When I saw him, I felt sorry for him. He had hollow eyes and a lonely, sad way about him. I'd never seen him like that before. As soon as he got into the car, though, he slowly started to become himself again. And after a few weeks, he pretty much went back to how it had been before. Except the dad lost his job and there was even less food then. Yeah, I've learned, uh, you know, especially with the counselling, it's, it's, uh, you've got to get to experience and put the... Uh, I've never had to be able to experience the emotions and trying to grow from that. Um, no, I am a good person, a kind person. That's, um, I've had so many mechanisms um, to try and stop those emotions too because... Uh, feeling is pain, and that's uh, and that's what the the counselor Stephanie said, Mike. You've got to be able to to notice and see those things. Yeah. It's like watching clouds go by. You don't have to go and look at that cloud and stay with it. When you see an emotion go by, you can look at it and go, "I can see what that is. That's yeah. anger. I can see what this is." Um, and and noticing all the mechanisms, like some of the mechanisms I do, is I turn stuff on myself. Um, so when you start self sabotaging yourself. You, it doesn't help you at all because then you start getting depression. Yeah. You know, when people say with things, he goes, oh, Mark, and I say, well, I'm this and that and this and whatever, um, and I, I've turned it, uh, that emotion back on me, which is a self-sabotage, which isn't good. Which you've done throughout your life. Throughout you my know, life, you, you know. You beat yourself up really badly. Yeah, and no, I don't think just me. I think many people do that. They just say, oh, well, I'm a piece of shit, this yeah. and that. Like when I'm fighting sometimes and I'm getting the, sh- the shit kicked out of me, is well, you deserve that because you're in a train, you're a fuck with you or whatever it is. Yeah. And um, But that's one thing I have to try and learn is to turn that back around. I said, it's not me. I mean, I, I'm this, this and this, but I don't have to try and turn that into myself and, and, uh, and be like that. I have to feel that emotion so mm-hmm. it goes. And that you, you even used to um, 
you even used to do that with the points of pride in your life as well. So when you were fighting, yeah. when you were winning, you'd be like, oh, I'm still just a punching bag. You yeah. know, I'm still just a this, that and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you would never give yourself that Any credit. of credit. Yeah. And the thing was, yeah, that's what um, I've learned. I've had to learn is that, okay, it's, you, that happened, but you, you don't have to turn it because you're a piece of shit or because yeah. you're this or that. That's just not you. You, you don't have to turn that yourself on yourself to make it bad so you can become depressed. One, uh, you know, one of the things that 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 is interesting uh, and that I think sort of goes through the book is that you know there there you have had these traumatic experiences when you're a kid, and there has been bad elements of that. But then there's also been a resilience and a strength through that as well. You know, um, and this is something that you said to me many times: is you're like, you know, your dad was one of the people who can credit your fighting career. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about those early days when you were fighting on the streets in in South Auckland. Why do you think you were so compelled to fight, you know? Is it because it was the one thing that you could feel good about? Well, I don't know. I, 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 like I said, I was better outside on the streets than at home. You know, there was nothing at home. It was just, you know, some piece of shit person. And he's like a monster, to be honest. And, yeah. um, I mean, like I said, when I ran off and, and I was hiding, I think I was eight years old when I first took off and started hiding, um, I think it was just hanging out with the, the different people that I did. You yeah. know, got into all these altercations at different places. I didn't look for it. It's just what happened. Do you, you know? think? Do you think there was a lot of people uh, that you're hanging out in the streets that were in the same situation as you, but they never talked about it either. None of you ever talked to each other about it. I, I, I think so. I think a lot of people in that era, not just in, in New Zealand, everywhere else, was going through different situations like that. I think it was just. It, it probably was. I just we yeah. just you know we didn't talk about emotions as we do now. We don't uh, see schizophrenia around people with, with mental issues these days as being a problem. Back then, it was a problem. Mm. But people didn't realise and know what it was. People just said, oh, look, they're just, they're, that guy's fucking crazy. Yeah, like my brother Steve walking yeah. around with no clothes, trying to, big guy swearing at the fucking, you know, at, his, at, at, the, at the sky when he was battling demons inside his mind. You yeah. know, I mean, he used to go on the, on the bus with a motorcycle helmet and he didn't even have a motorcycle, you know, because <laughs> yeah. he was trying to block the noise up. Well, but what, know, did, what did you think about that at the time? I mean, you know, now you, you recognise that Steve uh, developed a, a really bad it was case a, It was embarrassment. It, it was a shameful thing and people because people didn't realise, like in my culture, people look at it as like weakness. Yeah. You know, people try and hide that and push it under the carpet, but the thing is that's something we need to be, be talking about and put it to the forefront so people can can go through it and understand what it was, what it is, and heal. Do you think when you were an adult that that was a sort of bit of a hidden shame for you as well? Because you recognised that what Steve needed was was recognition, but all you could give him at the time was your own embarrassment. Yes. I mean, I think um, survival of everyone in their own situation is basically what it was um, in that era, I think, to be honest. One of the things I've always wanted to ask you about was when we started working together, um, you know, we'd signed up to do this book. I didn't know you. You didn't know me. We'd met once before. We sit down um, and you're really reticent to, to talk, um, which I completely understand because you'd never told anyone about the things that happened to you as a child and the first thing that I said is tell me about your dad. Um, but why did, you, why did you want to do the book? Because Vanessa said, you know, Vanessa, she's... Vanessa, our publisher. The publisher, yeah. She said, she kept bringing me and I was in a... Who's this motherfucker? Man? Gonna, <laughs> who's this bitch bringing me up? I was I'm going to blast her the fourth time she rang because I don't like people annoying me like that. <laughs> yeah. But you know what got me with Vanessa? She's a really nice person. Yeah. And, and the way she spoke to me is like, you know, I was like, oh, you know, Mark, you can help people with this. And I'm thinking, help people. Yeah. You know, it's not about money. I mean, even though I didn't have the money, you can help people. I said, 
oh, shit, that's a good thing. I can do that. I can help a lot of people, yeah. But you must have known that you would have to talk about the stuff that happened to you as a kid to a stranger. Yeah, but the thing is I didn't know – you're talking to someone that didn't even know. I don't even remember any of that garbage. You know, my and I'm just thinking here. I I remember lots of moments when I was getting beaten Mm. and the pain. That you know, you don't want to remember that sort of stuff because it just it just makes you feel like you're lost, you're hurt. There's you know like that 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 kid that just you know hammered all the time. That just and you'd be um, back in those emotions if you remembered it. That's why I get depressed going out South Auckland sometimes because you go there and it's like, fuck, this place is so depressing. Yeah, it's dark. You know, and it's depressing and I just feel like necking myself. That's what <laughs> that's what I feel like going there because it's not hard to go back in the mind because the mind's very powerful and yeah, strong. Yeah. And for me, you know, I can go back in my mind and get those emotions up in that sort of sense and it's not good. I mean, you want to get the other emotions where you can help heal from that. So, and bringing all those, those childhood issues... It's not an easy thing for me. Even no, now, trying to deal with it now, you know. Yeah. Like I said, I killed my mother. Um, I've still got to go and do my dad, and you know, I've got so many issues <laughs> because of these things, and I don't even realize that. You know, my relationship, this, you know, bruh, bruh. Yeah, but you're doing the work. I mean, you, I'm you... trying my best, man. I'm trying to. I'm trying my best. I'm trying yeah. to be a better a person in society, and I want to be this piece of shit person that's gonna. You go back to jail, you know, because this is not a good person. I want to no. live. I want to ha- live a happy life. I want to. I've made my mistakes. I've said my apologies. I've, you know, I don't owe no one nothing. Mm. Um, you know, I'm just trying to um, be a better person. You know, I've gone yeah. through issues like everyone. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Nice in the world, especially with the covid, but but I know I'm I'm, I'm getting better. I know I'm on the right track. I mean, that, um, that's incredible because when we were starting, when we were working on the book, you had already done a lot of the work, right? Like you and I sit down, we talked about so much of, of what had happened to you and I, I, was, I was so incredibly proud of the things that you'd already been able to do, you know. Uh, there had been a lot of violence and, and, and sexual violence in your family, um, <clears throat> not just your father, other people, and you had broken that cycle already before you were ready to even talk about that, but you wouldn't give yourself any credit. You know, yeah. like when we were doing the book and at the end of it, I remember I sat down with you and I go, man, you should be really proud of, of what you've already done. Yeah. Uh, just in, in regards to your emotional health and you wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was hard to because, but even now, like I give myself a lot of uh, credit. To, you know, I, I allow myself to cry. I mean, I don't allow myself. It's hard to, yeah. before it was hard to cry, but some of the issues I've had, I've been able to release that emotionally by, you know, crying and, and for me, it's, it's like weird to cry. I was like, because it's like, fuck, you're a weak motherfucker. It? But it's, it's okay to cry. I've had, well, yeah. One session I went home, I was, you know, I, I did the couple crying as I was biking. I went into the store and I had to buy something and I started crying again. So I had to get out of the, <laughs> of the store and get on the bike and get out of there because I was, I was an emotional wreck. But it, it felt good though afterwards, right? It felt good because it felt, it felt, I, I released, it was like a release for me. I felt, um, you know, um, I felt good about it. Yeah, and like talking to you before about, 
the mindset about me not remembering, that's because I was living in the fear part of my mind, in the yeah. back part of my mind. I mean, I learned that from the reason why I don't remember a lot of it is because I was always scared as a kid. You know, I was scared about um, being hurt. And mm-hmm. that's the problem. And I was, and that's when you, when that, the fight or flight part of the, of the mind is working with anybody, the other two ain't working. You don't remember shit. Mm-hmm. You just, you're just in survival mode again. Oh, what's happening? So even I took that for 46 years, I bought that on and something happened because Mr. Angry's like, okay, yeah. what the fuck's up? I'm like, who, who, who wants to run? You know what? Yeah, because what? you think you're going to get killed because yeah. as a kid, there was a chance of you being killed. So you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? The reason I'm a great uh, fighter is because of, Affliction is part of fighting, and, yeah. and I'm a great survivor of affliction. So, yeah. But not just that either. I mean, and this is something we talked about in the book. Um, you know, you would have that fight or flight thing where you'd be like, what's going on? You know, what's going to happen? But you'd go into the, into the ring or the octagon, and you knew it was a controlled environment. There was one person fighting. You know what the parameters were of the fight. So you were so calm, and that's something that helped you so much in yeah. your career. Well, that's what, yeah, that's why I've been competing as a fighter, even though I didn't want to be a fighter. You know, um, to this day, which is, you know, I'm 46 years of age, and age nearly 50. Yeah. Uh, although I've gone through a bre- breakup uh, with certain things, I I feel better emotionally as a person, as, yeah. an, as, an, as a man, as a 46-year-old male and growing. I mean, I'm... Yeah, I'm single now. I'm talking to a shitload of girls. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, <laughs> but I'm, I'm happier at, at heart. You know, I've made a lot of mistakes with different people. But that's the and thing. I, and I do apologize if I tell them, you know, I, I do apologize to these people, but I, I'm growing from these things. Yeah, of course. But, but the, the, the breakup is really interesting, right? Because um, there, there are instances where a breakup is because of an emotional issue. But the breakup it now is actually because you've managed to get over an emotional issue. And it's incredible the way that you and Julie, um, who's, you know, the mother of your kids and, you know, she's, she's a great hero in the book, the way that you and Julie are doing it is is really kind of mature and good and good for both the people. And and the breakup you recognise is for her as well. It's not just for oh, you. For her totally. I mean, we sit there talking about potential future partners. Yeah. I mean, she chose me, tells me the guy she's going, you know. Um, Which would have flown you into a rage five years ago. Oh, dude, it's right. I'm sitting there uh, I don't know, is he is he real? I mean, she got catfished twice. <laughs> I mean, as soon as they hear my name, they're freaking gone. I mean, <laughs> and the guys that catfished, a couple of Nigerian guys, I'm, I'm like, the thing with Jules and, and these girls and these women is that, man, she's such, got such a beautiful heart. Even though yeah. the guy, the Nigerian guy, um, tried to catfish her, yeah. she still had time to talk to these guys later as they come clean. Yeah. The guy comes clean, talks to Jules about it, and she's like, oh, he's a good guy. And I'm thinking... Oh my gosh! The guy just fucking trying to rip you off money, and and you're saying he's a good guy. I said, I said, Jules. Hey man, she put up with your shit for twenty years, <laughs> twenty three years. But hey, but that's what she said. That's exactly what she said to me. And I'm thinking, the woman, especially like Jules, their hearts are so good. You know, she's loved me for so long. Even now, even after all my fucking faults, she's not even like with this this guy. But you know, like I said, I want her to be happy. Yeah, and that's the reason why. Um, the things are the way they are. I mean, I, I mean, she's I don't want to get. To, and she's helped you oh, so she's much. The best. But you, you can't be together anymore. You know. Oh no way. She needs. She deserves to be happy. Yeah. And she's not going to get that kind of love from someone like me. I've got a, I've got um, so many issues. I've got to I sort out myself. And um, you know, I'm. And the thing about Jules is she's a ride or die girl because even though as, as much as I battled for all these years with her, I battled in myself with my emotionals. I took it out on her. Treated her bad. Even to this day, she's still here with me. Yeah. She's always had my back. There's, yeah. you know, people. Some people that you get emotionally involved, they they run 
as soon as you start turning, turning crazy and stuff, they run and hide and, and become cowards. But uh, with Jules, um, you know, I've done a lot of bad things to her, a lot. You know, I've threatened her, I've threatened to kill her, her family, everyone. I was, I was like the worst fucking partner ever. But, yeah. um, but she stuck with me. She's still here even now as we, we part up white ways. We'll always be in each other's lives because we have a lot of business together and different things. Kids. Kids. <laughs> she's like, um, she's always here mm. supporting me. And even with the fight coming up, she's got, uh, she took all the fucking front row tickets. So, I mean, I've got to try and get more. Um, she's inviting her potentially new partner. And I'm thinking, what? Seriously, guys, you're inviting your potentially new partner. Well, you can give Paul Gallon a hiding, then you can come down and give this bloke a hiding. I don't want to waste my time. I I get paid to give people a hiding. But but this is, you know, for me, before it would have been, I was like, what the fuck? It's like, but, you know, like you said before, I've grown as a man, especially with these these issues. And I said, oh, yeah, okay. It will be good to be, even though I've met him before. But for me, like I said, I want her to be happy. I love her. I love her and I love, you know, and that's different kind of love from, you know, from it was really hard with us before, you know, yeah. for, for a long, long time we were struggling with with, uh, with love, relationships and, and just a lot of things fucked us up. Isn't it funny that, you know, you might get to a point where you can split with your missus and then the love, the real love starts. Proper. I yeah. mean, this is different. I just, I just, like I said, I love her. More than when I was actually together with her. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I want her to be the happiest. Yeah. Um, I think letting go of someone that you actually truly love and say, okay, man, I want you to be happy. Yeah. You know, that's the way I feel about it. And especially with someone that's given me four kids, she's rode the waves of fucking good and bad in these fucking treacherous waters yeah. of, of life, you know. And that's especially as a fighter, a partner of a fighter, you know, gets beaten up all the time. Um, it, it's, it, it, uh, it's good to see, you know, it's different kind of love. It's, it's, it's the best kind, I feel. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to go back to when you were sort of talking about the fact that your childhood, you know, consciously you wouldn't even remember. Um, has your psychologist talked about the fact that even though you don't consciously remember some stuff, it's there and it's affecting you? Yeah, it is. Of course, it always sits there. Because um, you know it as well because, like, once we started – so when we were doing the book, the first chapter is the most extreme stuff. It's the stuff that, you know, is is – I, I interviewed your sister quite a lot about that. I went to her place and sat down and we talked about it. But then when I read it to you, it was there. It just wasn't conscious for you until somebody talked to you about it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's always stuff there that uh, I, I, um, I have the feeling always my childhood, there's, there's scars inside you and your yeah. mind. I mean, you know, our minds are strong. It's always everything's locked in there. You just need to open the right door for it. Go from there. Like I said, I just trying to make things. Um, I can't change the past that's happened, but um, can only try and better. Yeah, I I, I, I want to go back again um, to when we were working together. Um, I talked about that first chapter. I sat down with you in in an apartment in New Zealand. You were training for a fight at the time, um, <clears throat> and you you had um, inputted a little bit at that point, but but not a lot. And and I'd sat down with Victoria, and Victoria had, had sort of told me some of the stories. What was it like for you when you when you read that chapter out when we started talking about the, you know the, the the real hot button stuff? Yeah, for me, it's it's like uh, does this actually was my life mm. as a kid? Was this actually how we lived? It's it's uh, it's not only just a surprise, but it's depressing. It's like yeah, wow. To me, it seems seems normal, mm. but it, it did know, at the time. You didn't think yeah. that anyone else had any other experience. Yeah, that's the way it feels to me. Like I said, it's just like. Being numb to it. Yeah. 
You know, I was like growing up going, oh, this is what it is. You get beaten up daily, um, you know, you, you get fucked up. Your skin gets, you get... Um, You're hungry all the time. You know, the, the, the beatings weren't normal because I know I used to not go to school for like three weeks because I'd have welts all over me, This, you know, and and, and you couldn't go to school because they'll see that. Mm. Um, you know, it, um, and it was not just one, it was many times that happened. But that feeling of... of 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 when the the skin's bruised that much and and then the the continue uh, of the hurting on that same that same point of, mm. of the skin, it's it, it just makes you real numb. It's like it's like, like a dull feeling. It's crazy. Yeah, you get that with fighting sometimes when you kick. When I was kickboxing, you get that feeling. It's like oh wow. Do you get do you get that sense memory sometimes that you know you have the pain after a fight of being kicked or punched and then remembering, you know the. That, that time when you were beaten by a father as a kid or the times that you were beaten? As a father, it's, it's better because there's a purpose behind that. Yeah, so you understand it, you recognise it. Understand, I understand, you know, the life of a father. I understand affliction and I feel, um, you know, I feel my job is done well when I'm, you know, in that, when I, well, those are well-earned bruises and scars because of, you know, it's not uh, the childhood ones that you get from, from your father mm. or, you know, uh, that, yeah. That was, that was an interesting thing in the book because you felt compelled to buy your dad a house once you did, did start making money. When I think about it, it blows my mind. Why did you do that? Yeah. But you, you, know? you really felt compelled to do it. Like, yeah, I don't know why. It was the first thing you wanted to do with money. I don't know why, though. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know why. Yeah. It had nothing to do with, you know, um, I, don't, I didn't even have no idea why. I was just like, okay. What, what I thought was, ha- was going on was you thought that you could buy your way out of this memory. You know, you could give your dad a house and you wouldn't have to think about him and it anymore. That door would just be closed. But then that I've done my duty as a son. Yeah, exactly. But it didn't work like that. Yeah. That's well, not... that's, you're probably right. I mean, I've, they're probably right. I think you can do that in a lot of situations, buy a way out of it if you had the money. Yeah, but it you doesn't know, work like that. Your, memories, work. your memory still exists. Yeah, you know? it doesn't work like It never worked like that. He's still your dad. He's still, a, he's still my dad. I know, I, people ask me, that, how do you feel about him? I'm like... I mean, Stephanie asked me that all the time, how do you feel? I don't know. Yeah. I don't, um, she's tried to tell me I've got to hate him. This, I mean, put the hate on other things. I don't hate him. Yeah. I don't know why. I just don't hate him. I don't, I mean, I got the chance to do that to my mother. I don't even know why I can't have these feelings. And he says, goes, you've got to recognize your feelings and try and, you know, turn them to the right way. I mean. I just don't know why. You, your, your brother had, uh, or he does have quite, quite severe schizophrenia. Um, John, your older brother, who, who sadly took his own life, had, had severe depression. And you were exhibiting right. symptoms um, of, of schizophrenia as well. You know, yeah. you, you... Bipolar, yeah. yeah. A lot of people have said that to me, that you're fucking crazy. Well, and the CT that I've got, now they're saying, you got CT? I'm like... Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I've met people that have got CTE. You haven't got CTE. You're I'm becoming the... more lucid, not less lucid. Bro, I, I swear to God, some people said, Mark, you've got bipolar. You've got... Yeah, I get bipolar when motherfuckers piss me off. <laughs> no. no, but no, when, when, when wrong, you were bro. younger, you did have these, these symptoms of p- potential um, uh, you know, mental health issues. Yeah. But the, the amazing thing about it is that you have managed to continue to forge this career. You know, there was never a time where you just fell off the cliff. You know, the, or jumped was, off the fucking cliff like my brother. Off, yeah, exactly. Or, you know. But there, there has always been some sort of grasp with something that you wanted to do, something that you wanted to achieve. You know, and fighting has has been that. Yeah. And you never fell off. Yeah, because I want to get to that place. I want to get to that high level. I want to get to that fucking that green pastures where I'm just sitting there, um, 
when people ask me or call me, I said, what do you want to do, Mark? What are you doing tomorrow? I said, I'm doing whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever the fuck I want. And if that means it's going to lie in that fucking paddock, that's what I'm doing. That's and, funny and because that's, we talked about that. We, we were like, yeah. what does retirement look like for you? And yeah. you said, it's a really comfortable chair and I got a big drink and I got my TV and I don't have to do anything. Yep. Like that's not really what other people are looking for. Well, that's what I want to do. I've been battling in my mind for years and years and years. And yeah. some people call that crazy, but <laughs> but that's my life of mind. I've been battling for years and I want to get to that place, the happy place where I'm just, everything's okay. Everyone I know and love is okay. Um, secure with everything. And, um, you know, when people ask you, like I said, what, what you want to do? I'm like, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I just want to go and do whatever I want to do. Take the kids to school, line the, you know, feed the horses or whatever the fuck it is. I just yeah. want to. I don't want to have to do anything. Yeah. yeah. How, how do you feel about thinking about those moments where you were driven by, you know, rage or maybe even grief and trauma or whatever it was, and now you recognise that it doesn't happen anymore or, or nowhere near as much? I mean, I would still not cut you off in traffic. It's not a great <laughs> idea. Um, but do you, do, you ever, do you sit down and go, oh, man, I am moving in the right direction? I'm growing, yeah, a lot. There's, there would be incidents where things change like that, but... Um, I, I, yeah, as a man and a, and a person, a, a person of society that wants to be a better person in society, of course, I've grown a lot more. Yeah. I mean, but uh, you know, like with anything, it takes three things to make a situation real bad, um, and then you could be on that other foot saying, "Oh fuck, I just killed someone." Now you're fucked. Everyone's fucked around you because you're, a fr- you know, because you've done something wrong. You didn't think about it. Yeah. I think that's just not me. That's like a lot of people. A lot of people in this day and age. With, with a lot of things that are happening with COVID, with their situations. A lot of people are suffering these days. I mean, um, assault on family members have gone up fucking so much here in Australia. Abuse, everything's gone up. I mean, people just want to be happy and okay these days. I mean, yeah. what that looks like in their world, I don't know. What looks like, like, like that in my world is like I've just explained in that, those green passes where you don't have to <laughs> chuck the phone away and they do shit. Yeah. Now, <laughs> you... Know? you, you um... You do advocacy in your own way, right? So there's lots of people, if somebody approaches you on your Facebook page or something like that, I'm having a problem with this, I'm having a problem with that, you know, like having read the book and knowing the experiences that you've had before, you engage with them. Do you think post your fighting career that this advocacy might end up being a little bit more structured, that you might work with an organisation? Because it kind of feels like... I want to. Yeah. I want to I start my own foundation for troubled kids and teens and help them for better futures. I've always wanted to help uh, disadvantaged kids. You know, I was one. I was one. Yeah. I'm still struggling with life. And I think the kids that come from there become adults and they still struggle with it. So they need to be nurtured all the way through, especially, you know, we look at fighters and things like this with the CT, all this sort of stuff. The fighters that these these uh, UFC, these people are taking advantage of, they have kids and everything that come yeah. with it. They're not just a package by themselves. They're a whole pa- they're family members. And when he suffers, they suffer. Mm. You know, and you've got to go and help those guys after their career, post-career, they've got to help these guys that go into the world um, and do other things. Some people find it really hard, the ones that, that climb to those really heights of, of fighting and become the best in the world that everyone knows them. Guys like Connor, all these guys, mm. and Jones, after their careers, what do they do, mm. you know? Um, do they need help with, with uh, becoming normal? You know, um, some people struggle when they've, you know, when they've been flying hard for so long you know, they don't get pushed in front of the queues. They get they they don't have to wait in lines. Though, yeah. You know, when they come to normality, 
uh, he was ten years ten years old. You, know, you have yeah. to wait in lines. You got to do all this. People people are hard to people can't cope with that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know that's reality though. The last thing yeah. I wanted to ask you was um, Noah is twelve now. Yeah, yeah. So Noah's your um, uh, your second eldest boy. son in your in your yeah. se- second relationship, um, and he. Well, my first relationship wasn't actually a relationship. You know? No, so, but you had two kids. You know. And, yeah. you know. Um, so Noah's. Pretty good athlete, big kids, you know. Uh, he's he's got the attitude. How would you feel too. about? <laughs> how would you feel about about Noah becoming a fighter? Do you want that for him, or would you like something else for him? To be honest, in truth, I'd like something else for him. Yeah, it's hard to be to be eating and sitting at the top table, especially in the fight business. It's it's hard to sit at the top table for that amount of years and and do the walk every single time and and be able to eat properly. Yeah. There's a lot of people that fall on the way. So a lot of guys that want to be top-end fighters, but they don't make it. And while they're chasing their dream, they're young. You know, as they get along, they meet their partner, spouse, they have kids. Then the whole lot of them are in trouble. Mm-hmm. So remember, there's not many people that can eat at the top table. Then they've got to do something with their lives and their partners and their kids' lives. So, you know, it, it changes. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, no. I mean, I'm trying to make things better for fighters in general. With uh, the steroids and uh, the fucking, um, the fair go, and even fighting playing field mm. and the Ali Act. Um, so that uh, the fighters ca- come through, the boys and girls from this side of the world, don't have to worry about uh, struggling with this sort of fight. They have to just go in there and be good enough and then they get all the benefits. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for doing this and, you know. Always it, a pleasure. Always here to help. And um, It's such a pleasure to talk to you about this kind of stuff. Oh, it's, it's actually really good to sit down and, and you yeah, have a yarn with you, Ben, especially about life and everything. It's um, like the olden days, like when we were working on the book together. Nah, that was different, man. You know, I was too busy sitting there talking shit. <laughs> not, you know, not, not enjoying shit, but yeah. No, that, that was, a, I mean, like it felt for me like, I don't know. You were like. You were talking about it for the first time, which is great. You know, you weren't talking First about, time. And now I never talked about it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is like for me, it's like, ooh, fuck, this is a new experience. It's a. But, you know, if there wasn't just me. There would be millions of people. Yeah. Well, I've never done anything like that before and it was, it was unique in my career and, you know, it's awesome to see that you, you're still doing the work and you're getting happier every day. Correct. Yeah. That's the main thing. Thanks for the time, bro. And Cheers, always here to help. That was Mark Hunt, a very different bloke to the one that I first met. Or at least when I first met Mark, I didn't have access to that Mark. Uh, if you're interested in reading the book Born to Fight, it's available at Amazon and Booktopia and online retailers. You can probably still get it in a bookstore as well, but it's a few years old, so just uh, call ahead, make sure that it's in stock. As always, this podcast was recorded at ACAST Studios in Sydney. If you want to keep up with me and the show, you can go to my Instagram at Benny Mook, B-E-N-N-Y-M-C-K, or Facebook, uh, Ben McKelvey Writer, or you can follow Mark Hunt on Instagram where he's Mark Hunt Fighter. Outside of that, thank you for listening and follow your bliss. What if the writer is attempting to create a story where nothing much happens, where people don't change? More reflection of the real world. Nothing happens in the world? Are you out of your fucking mind? Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.